I want to do a follow-up from last week. Last week we talked about the mission of the Light Church, and I want to do part two of that tonight. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah 61 in a few minutes. But before we get there, uh, we have a, a slew of verses to, um, to run through um, as it relates to this subject of wholeness. Um, so for those of, the, of you that weren't here last week or maybe aren't familiar with um, our mission as the Light Church, um, it's to extend the love of Jesus to see wholeness, greater wholeness in our city and in our world. And um, I, I spoke a little bit about that last week from Mark 5 in this picture um, of really uh, what I believe the church needs to get is that when we read our Bibles, we read a lot of stories that uh, a lot of moves of God, things that happen that uh, we don't see happening today. And um, you can arrive at one of two conclusions from that. Maybe that it's not happening anymore or that um, we need to let God take us further so that we can see it. And, and we here at the Light Church believe the second of those two theories, if you will. We believe that um, we need God to take us further so that we can see things that we don't see happening yet. That, but that God has said are possible in him. And so, um, um, you know, I shared Mark 5, and I believe that is a picture uh, among many of what's possible in God. And so we want to use um, the, the things in this Bible not to um, make us feel good, but actually to pull us further in God and increase our faith. Um, and so I really believe that he's wanting to do that. Um, and I believe he's wanting the church to... Rather than lower the bar of what's possible in God based on our experiences or lack thereof, that we look at Jesus and when we see Jesus, we see with clarity what God can and wants to do in our midst. And that might mean that we have to raise the bar. (laughs) That might mean in raising the bar that there's um, a discrepancy between where we're at and where God wants to take us. And guess what? That is okay. That's okay. Um, I believe if we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with God, he's like, I will take you there. I will grow you and change you and shape you if you let me. So I, I believe that's what's happening here at the Light Church, that over the past few years, God has really raised the bar, and we've let him, and we've been okay with that. We've been good with that. It's uncomfortable. It's uneasy at times, but it's so good. And we've begun to see more than we did a few years ago in that regard. And I believe that as we continue in that trajectory that we're going to see more tomorrow and the day after than we've seen to this point yet. Tonight I want to focus on a part of this mission um, that that maybe is a little unclear to us. Um, I want to focus specifically on that word wholeness. And I want to talk about what God's vision for wholeness is. Um, because, you know, that, that's a word that, I don't know, um, we can misinterpret or come in with our own idea of what that really means. Um, it's a kind of a potent word, I believe. Um, but I want to have God's vision and perspective of what wholeness actually is. Because if we don't have that, then we can't really go there with him. Um, and I remember um, uh, not too long ago talking with... Uh, a person that I had recently met and was sharing with them about our church and what God was doing, and, and they asked, you know, what was our mission? And I shared um, that sim- simple, short mission statement. And as I got to the word wholeness, I saw um, her face sort of 
changed, and I didn't quite know what the reaction was, but it was sort of slightly surprised and confused, I think, was the reaction that I was getting, and, and I, um, I, th- that's sort of what I was reading as, but I wasn't sure. And then and she went on to say, um, you know, can you talk about the word wholeness for a second? What do you mean by that? And so I began to explain to her. I said, you know, well, I believe that um, things are not as they ought to be. That not everything that we see is the way it's supposed to be. And that there's, um, there's things that we uh, live with in our own lives and we see in the, in the lives of the people around us that God wants to actually break through and bring change, bring healing, bring wholeness and restoration. And I, I believe that's a journey. It's not something that all of a sudden happens in a moment. And I, I told you guys last week, I believe wholeness in that way is growing to look more like Jesus. Um, but I believe another way we could describe wholeness is it's actually God's kingdom breaking through. And when his kingdom breaks through, there, things change in a good way. Things are restored. Things are healed. People are set free um, from mindsets or from um, things that have physically kept them captive. I believe that's what happens when the kingdom of God breaks through. And so we're in pursuit of that. Are we there fully? No, absolutely not. Um, and so I shared that with her, and maybe she kind of, um, that was a somewhat sufficient answer for her. But I, I got to know a little bit more that why that was such a sort of um, trigger word for her. And it was because, um, maybe, I, I think, um, that there was situations in her family, people in her family that had um, been afflicted and been suffering for quite some time. And, and maybe that word just seemed a little bit trite to her. I don't know. Um, or maybe it seemed like something that was missing that couldn't be um, obtained. Um. See, I, I, I realize that when we say this kind of thing, we're making a claim that, um, you know, um, people are going to want to know, how are you backing it up? Who's backing this claim up? And, you know, there's freedom because it's God. God's the one who's backing up this claim. He's the one who has the heart to restore people. He's the one whose desire it is to love people in a way that will bring restoration and lasting change. And I spoke about that last week. You know, it's not your job to do that. It's God. It's our job to participate and to come into cooperation and agreement both for our lives and for the lives of the people around us. But it's God ultimately who has the heart to bring restoration. The pressure is actually, the pressure's on him, okay? And he is more than capable to handle it. The pressure's on us, too, a little bit, but I'll explain that later, okay? Uh, (laughs) We're not off the hook completely because God loves cooperation. God loves relationship, and he's invited us into cooperation and relationship where we could share with his burdens. We could share with his will. We could share in his desire for things to be that aren't yet. So there is an invitation and there is a weight that comes with that. So, um, so there you go, okay? All right, got to jump into this or we're never going to get to it. Um, <clears throat> so I want to I talk about this word that's um, all throughout the New Testament. I don't know how many times, but um, I have, uh, my guess is over 70 times this word shows up in the New Testament. And it shows up in different forms, so 
you, you might have seen it but not recognize that this is the same word that's used over and over again in Scripture. Um, and it's the word sozo. S-O-Z-O. And the, the, the correct pronunciation is a little bit different than that, but I'm going to just say sozo, okay? Um, so, this word sozo shows up in the New Testament. It's a Greek word. It shows up, uh, again, I don't know, close to 100 times. And it's actually the word that we most often read and is translated most often in our Bibles as the word saved. Okay? Um, the word saved. Sozo is the word saved. Oh, actually, let's, uh, it's the reverse of that. Saved in your Bibles as it's translated in the New Testament most often, and that's most often the translation, is actually the word sozo. Why is that important? I'm going to do a quick little word study with you guys. We don't often do that here, but I'm going to do that for a minute. I don't want to actually read through a few different places where this word is used in different contexts so that we can actually see a fuller understanding of this word saved. And I believe that's really important um, for us tonight and for us in the church because we have perhaps a, a limited view and understanding of God's salvation. This word, the potency of what God has accomplished through Jesus on the cross when he saved us, when he offered up his life on our behalf. This word actually, the, the, the fuller definition of it, fuller understanding of the word sozo is saved, rescued, healed, delivered, set free, made whole. I'm going to say that again. The word sozo means saved, rescued, healed, delivered, set free, made whole. A whole bunch of really good stuff all packed into that one word, sozo. Maybe the heat's coming on. We got um, (laughs) percussion (laughs) in the walls. All right, you got that? Okay, so actually most often it's read saved. When we talk about being saved, we talk about um, how, you know, um, God is going to take us away somewhere. Um, We're his eternally. I believe that's actually um, true, but that's one part of the fuller picture and understanding of this word. And by nature, what we need to have a fuller understanding of what God's actually accomplished when it says that he has saved us and that he is saving us. See, because we look at that word and we say it in the past tense, it seems like this thing that he has done and that's finished. And in one sense, that's true. But I also want to say that this salvation, if we think about it in some of the, these other terms, healed, rescued, set free, delivered, made whole, it's actually something that is um, still happening in our lives and something that is still happening in our world, something that God is wanting to break through and bring his sozo, his healing, his deliverance, his freedom. You follow me? Okay, so I'm going to read a few verses that sort of illustrate this. Um, So we're going to go through this pretty quick. I'm going to ask John to project this slide. I'm going to read his version because I got the King James version here. And I like like his version a little bit better. Um, So I'm going to try my best to just go through these and point out a few. So the first one is, is what we would often often know as the word saved to be rescued. Um, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Salvation. 
Matthew 8, 25, the disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. This is actually a picture of the second version of this, rescue us. This is the disciples, they're in the boat, it's um, storming, Jesus is sleeping. And they say, rescue us, so-so us, save us, okay? Again, it reads, save. Matthew 9, 21, she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. The word healed, I will be sozoed, and that's what it means, to be healed in this case. And it's the woman who had an ailment for over 12 years, and she said, if I can touch Jesus' garment, I will be healed. I will be sozoed in my body. Okay. Mark six fifty six. And wherever he went into the villages, towns, and countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed physically. So it's so. okay. Mark ten fifty two. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight. So again, a physical manifestation of God's saving work. Restoration of sight. We're told actually that the Messiah would come and this would be one of the signs that we know it was him. Restoration of sight. Okay. Luke eight thirty six. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured, had been so-so. This is actually the same story we read last week from Mark's gospel. The demon-possessed man who had this glorious exchange with the pigs. <laughs> okay. Romans 5.10, for if, we, if, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been, been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And I believe this is a really good example of how this salvation is active and in our midst, and it's something that God is doing and working as we speak. We've been reconciled and we're being saved. It's not a one and done type deal with God, okay? Amen to that. All right. 2 Timothy 4.18, we're almost done with these. The Lord will rescue, sorry Jonathan, me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord will rescue me, sozo. Uh, two more, I think. James one twenty one. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you, which can set you free, which can bring healing in your life, which can bring deliverance in your life. Are you with me? That's something that the word is doing. As you let God plant it in you and as you receive it and you walk in it. He's talking about the context here is not just listening to the word and then going away and forgetting about it and not living it out. The word can bring wholeness and healing in your life as you receive it and you begin to let God bring it about in you. Okay? Last one. James 5.15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, whole, sozo. That's that word. 
The Lord will raise him up, and if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So there's actually even this call by which we bring about the so-so of God, which we participate and, and, and we share in the ushering in of his healing and his freedom and his deliverance. Amen. We understand it when it comes to, like, sharing our faith, right? That, that God says, um, how will they know, how will they hear unless someone is sent? So go. We understand it in that way, but, you know, it's so much bigger than that. God wants to bring his healing in the earth through your life. Wow. And through a revelation of what's possible because of Jesus. Amen. All right, so that's the word. And when we talk about this word wholeness being central to our mission, this is what we mean. We want to see it in all facets, all aspects. We want to see lives restored. We want to see lives made healthy. We want to see lives set free. We want to see people encounter Jesus in the fruit of that. Are you with me? Okay. So if someone asks you, well, what do you really mean by that? That's what we mean by that. And I love the fact that, that God's vision for wholeness, God's vision for freedom, his vision for salvation is so abundantly um, richer than we can imagine. That's the, that's the Bible that I read. That's the gospel that I read. Um, that's the Jesus that I know. I'm trying to let him reorient us in that truth. I want to read now. We're going to sort of um, change over to Isaiah 61. Thanks for waiting patiently. Dear fingers marking the spot there. If you don't have this handy dandy little, you know, shiny satin ribbon bookmark problem with that is you can only mark two spots with this some of you are like I thought it was only one it's actually two you mark it once and you use the extra and you mark a second spot anyway free tip of the day all right Isaiah 61 it's on page 698 in my bible that won't help you much but unless you have this this is a great bible by the way I'll tell you if you're looking for one, I needed one that would open up and not close on me when I'm talking and my hands are going everywhere. And so a couple of years ago, Maria bought me this Bible for, my, uh, for Christmas. Thank you, sweetheart. I don't know where she is, but this is recorded, so I'll tell her to go listen. All right. <laughs> we needed an intermission. <laughs> All right, we're going back in. Here, diving in Isaiah 61. Um, before I read this, just so you know, these are the words that Jesus um, reads in the temple at the beginning of his ministry, early on in his ministry. And then he goes on to say, just so you know, folks, I accomplished and I am accomplishing this. He sat down and the picture was actually um, sitting down as a, as a picture of accomplishing. And he said, you know, for those of you who didn't get it, or those of you listening at home, that would be us. He says, this has been fulfilled today in your hearing. This is what he was reading. So let's read that. We're going to read actually through verse 7. Um, Jesus reads uh, a little bit more than, or roughly half of that, a little bit less than half of that. But we're going to read a little bit more. Um, I feel like he'd be happy with us. 
He is already. Okay. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Interestingly enough, Jesus stops it right at the point where he says the year of the Lord's favor, which I believe was really him speaking to what God was ushering in through his life. He was ushering in the favor of God to humanity, and we're still in that. Um, We have not yet got to the day of vengeance of our God. Thank God for that. Amen. So, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. Interesting. We've been talking about that one. He says, you're going to be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. There's our part in this. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of your instead of disgrace, you will receive, you will rejoice in your inheritance. I'm just pumped up. Okay. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Um, I don't fully know what a double portion is, but it just sounds like extra. Like, you know, you're going into, I used to be the last one in the lunch line in elementary school because I realized if I didn't go according to the alphabet, but I waited till the end, they'd give me a double portion. And so that's what it is. It's an extra serving, and I just, okay, breaking this thing. Okay, woo. (laughs) Is the heat working over there? Can you guys feel it? Take their word for it. It's, it's working. <laughs> Definitely sounds like it's working all of a sudden. All right. Okay. Uh, oh, mm, okay. I, I'm going to try to make this short and sweet. I don't need to expound on this a ton, but this passage is significant for us. It's significant for the church It's significant because it's central to what God said he's come to accomplish through his son. And that's why Jesus, when he was beginning his ministry, he says, this is what I've come to do. And I am, and I will, and I have accomplished it. I believe he was speaking prophetically to the work that would be fully realized on the cross. In case you didn't know, Jesus, he spoke prophetically sometimes because he knew a lot. He knew about stuff that... That didn't happen yet. And so sometimes when he spoke, it was prophetic. Okay. We just say, well, he was God. So he knew. Anyway, so um, I want to say a few things about this, though. Because first and foremost, I believe this is, again, a picture of wholeness as God sees it. This is God's desire and his plan for bringing about restoration on this earth. And that's why I believe Jesus read this, because it was central to his mission. 
And as a result, it should be central to our mission. So I love this passage for that reason. And this is what it says. And I think we can break down the first part really into two parts. And the first part is the work that God is doing to bring about this healing. The first part is about the work that God is doing to bring about this healing. And he says, the Spirit of God is on me. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. And what is the good news? The good news is this. I am coming to bind up the brokenhearted, meaning to mend, to bring healing and restoration and repair to those with broken hearts. That's good news. He says, I have come to release from darkness, to bring release from darkness for the prisoners and to proclaim freedom for the captives. He's come to bring freedom from those that are in bondage to sin to their own destructive habits and ways of living and thinking, trapped by fear, bound up by cycles of addiction and poverty that have been passed down and perpetuated and provide, he says this, to comfort those who mourn as I proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Central to the good news is that God loves us. His favor has been poured out on our behalf through his work through the Son. Proclaiming the Lord's favor, Jesus' life proclaimed the favor of God. The love of God. The pleasure of God, the delight of God with humanity, and the desire of God to restore us back so that we can know him, so we can know his goodness, so that we wouldn't be staring at the brokenness and thinking that's the end of the story. So Jesus proclaims the year of the Lord's favor, and then he brings it in to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. He says, I'm going to bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I'm trading, I'm making this exchange with humanity through my life. First, my life for theirs, my perfect life for their broken life. And I'm exchanging what I have so that they can have what I have. I'm taking what they have. God became sin. Him who knew no sin became sin so that we could have relationship and righteousness before God. Right standing. So he says there is this great exchange taking place. And it's proof of the favor of God. It's proof of his goodness and his love for humanity. And and God through Jesus says I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to give you what I have. crazy. He says, I'm giving a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I'm giving joy where there's mourning. I'm giving a garment of praise where there's a spirit of despair, so just put it on. And then there's this shift that takes place. This is what God is doing. This is what God has always been doing. But this is what God has accomplished and is continuing to accomplish. The salvation that is breaking forth because of Jesus. 
And then there's this shift that takes place. And it goes from saying, it goes from talking about what God is doing to talking about what they are doing. And he's talking about those affected by the work of God. Those changed by his good favor and his good news. Those who've received this exchange, this is what he says will come of them says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. He says, when I break through and I bring change and I bring wholeness and healing, this is what you're going to become. You're going to become like a tree planted strong in me. When people look at your life, they're going to see the glory of God and they're going to praise him because they're going to see something that's different. That's who you are in God. You are a planting for his glory. You are strong. You are righteousness in God. That's what Jesus has accomplished and shared with you through his work. Some of you don't feel like a strong tree. Some of you don't even feel planted. But that's the work that God has done and is doing in your life. Someone's walking on the roof right now. Santa's a little early. But I hope there's presents. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't help it. There's noises all around me. The building is, like, literally moving. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. If you ever go in that hallway, don't go in that hallway. The ceiling is falling. <laughs> Okay, there's a shift that takes place. And then the language begins to be about those affected by the salvation of God. That's you and me. That's the story that we're being invited into. And there's a vision of wholeness and restoration that goes beyond individuals. It goes beyond hearts even. It, it breaks through into cities. It breaks through into places. It breaks in, through into the land. See, I want to say actually the, the view that God has of wholeness is that it would go actually beyond your life and my life and beyond this place. And that actually would flood and overflow into the land that we're in, the city that we're in, the world that we're in. God's wholeness, his restoration wants to start with hearts, but it wants to actually extend to cities and nations. Are you with me? Did that just go over your head? It's right here. It's right here. This is what it says. Those oaks of righteousness on display for his glory, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. God cares about this place. He cares about the people in it. And by by virtue of that, he cares about this place. He cares about Baltimore, the city. He cares about every single person in Baltimore, and he cares about this city. God grieves for this city. And God longs for this city to see his wholeness. He longs for the land to actually be a reflection of the wholeness that's occurred in our lives, in the lives of its people. God's vision for wholeness is way bigger than ours. 
which is actually really exciting. It's really exciting. I don't know if you're feeling exciting or overwhelmed, but, you know, that feeling isn't so different. Just, you know, just let God take it this way a little bit, and it will go from being overwhelmed to being excited for what he's doing in our midst. I want to say this about this word and God's vision for wholeness. See, I believe wholeness in our city starts with hearts restored. But it doesn't end there. And I believe as God restores our hearts, restores the hearts of the people in this place, so too will the city be restored. This city will be changed as people are changed. That might seem obvious, but I think it's significant because our vision, our focus actually starts with seeing God change hearts. Seeing God change lives. Seeing God work in this room and beyond this place to bring transformation and wholeness in the lives of people. And I believe only then will we begin to see that reflected in this land. And it is happening as surely as that transformation is breaking through all over our city and in this place, it is happening and it will reap a harvest. There will be repair in this city of places that have long been ruined. Do you believe it? Can you see it in faith before it is? Because I know right now that's not the message going out about Baltimore, is it? The message is, It's as bad as it's ever been. The message is we're setting all kinds of records in the wrong way. And the enemy might be having his day right now, but it's going to be up. Are you with me? Do you believe that? And so how do you partner with God in that? You let him bring about this first part in your life. You let him do this work in your life of bringing wholeness and restoration. You let the word be planted in you so that it is changing you. And as it's changing you, it will change the world around you. If you want to be the change, you first got to let God break through and bring some. All right. I'm going to wrap up here in a minute. I believe he's doing that. I know he's doing it. Um, We're seeing it. We've been hearing about it. It's happening in our city. There are things happening beneath the surface that haven't yet manifest themselves in the land being restored and repaired, but it will be. The city has scars that have been there for a long time. Evidences of the brokenness of his people. But God is bringing, he's breaking through. And he's bringing wholeness and healing. I believe it's coming like never before. And I believe we are here for this time to see it, to be a part of it. That's exciting. It's happening. And there's more. I think our response needs to be, yes, God, do that work in my life.
realizing that when we say that, it goes so much further. God, do that work in my life. God, thank you that you are. Thank you for who you've made me to be and who are you, you're shaping me into because of your work. I believe it. Even though I don't always feel it, I believe it. Then we need each other to affirm that. When you see the, the, the wholeness of God breaking through and the people around you, affirm it. Encourage it. Put a finger on it so that they, they know, stop for a second and think, yeah, that's true. God is breaking through. And let's ask him, God, how does that connect with what you want to do in the land? How does that connect with what you want to do all around us in people's lives and in this place? Bring it forth, God.